Well, I'd like to look at uh, two particular uh, themes that I find in the gospel today. And the first one, uh, we're told that Jesus is journeying to Jerusalem, and he's about to pass through a Samaritan village. Now remember, the Samaritans and Jews hated each other. They're kind of like Republicans and Democrats. They just absolutely didn't like each other. And um, one of the main reasons the Jews didn't like the Samaritans is because the Samaritans um, had taken the Jewish faith and they had basically sort of, um, well, they had kind of created their own faith from it, right? And so the Jews looked upon the way the Samaritans practiced their faith as, as people having bastardized the faith. Um, so they didn't like each other. Word is sent that Jesus is going to be coming through the village, and they basically let it be known, we're not going to welcome you because you're going to Jerusalem. So you're not welcome to come here. And James and John react, asking the Lord for violence because of this rejection. Should we call down fire from heaven upon them? And of course, Jesus rebukes them, no. No, that's not, that's not how this goes. And so I'd like to draw out from this um, a, a dynamic that I actually already alluded to that seems to be quite prevalent in our culture and is becoming more and more so. And what we have to do, I believe, is check our behavior against, against the, you know, what the Lord is calling us to do or how the Lord is calling us to behave. So... It, it seems rather clear, even from your response to my comment about Republicans and Democrats, that there is an increasing polarization in, a, in our society. Uh, people are, are becoming kind of more and more tribal. And basically, if, if this group disagrees with this group, there actually is quite a bit of violence. Right? There's actual physical violence that we're seeing increase. But there's also just violence of speech. There's also just violence of sentiment and feeling, right? So if I were to say to you that I think President Trump is the best president we've ever had, you know, most of you are going to walk out. Well, some of you might. And some of you might agree with me. But I bet I could get a fight going. <laughs> or if I said President Trump is the worst president we've ever had, I, it doesn't matter what side I pick. I could, get a, I could get a fight going, and nobody wants to talk about politics. Father, why are you talking about politics in church? You know, that's a really good way to get people to not like you. That's my point. That's part of my point. Is, is our, our, our situation has become so polarized that we no longer are seeing each other the way Jesus wants us to see each other. And I'm not making a critique of any position. All right? I'm not validating any particular position or political group or uh, individual group. What I want to point out is that the Lord had to face this even with James and John. For people who were going to reject him, they wanted to see that rejection as necessitating some sort of violent act on their part. And the Lord rebukes them. And so the first thing... And, and this is probably the, the lesser important point that I want to make tonight, but looking at this, I think we ought to reflect just on how we engage each other and how does the Lord want us to engage each other. It doesn't mean that we have to agree, of course, 
But as we engage each other in civil society, we should be even more than civil. We should be Christian, right? Which necessitates things like love, gratitude, and charity. Now, as the gospel moves along, it begins to turn toward the question of discipleship. And a dichotomy is presented between, you know, the second half of the gospel and the first reading involving Elijah and Elisha. So Elisha is going to succeed Elijah, the great prophet. And Elijah calls him to follow. He calls him into discipleship. And Elisha says, well, I've got some business back at home. Can I take care of that? And basically, Elijah says, fine, go take care of it and then come back and follow. And so that's what happens. But then that is compared to a very similar dynamic or a similar situation in the gospel. Where people are saying to Jesus, who has called them? You know, I have to go back and, and bury someone. Well, no, let the dead bury their dead. Well, can I go home and say goodbye to my family? No, no, you can't. You can't even do that. Jesus is calling this man in the midst of his, his life. He just wants to go back and, and say goodbye, which seems like a reasonable request. And Jesus is saying, no, you, I don't even want you to do that. No one who sets his hand to the plow and turns back is worthy of me. What's presented here is that the urgency of following Christ is all the more uh, elevated, is all the more rigorous relative to Elijah, following Elijah. Elijah isn't God. He's a great prophet, but he's not God. But when God calls somebody to follow, that person needs to respond immediately, needs to respond now. So the second reflection then for tonight is this. God has called every single one of us. He's called every single one of you. And he calls us not just once in life, but he continues to call us to follow him. And yet, we hold back. It's very common to hold back. And sometimes we might say, well, I don't really know what he's calling, you, us, calling me to do. Well, we do know. He's calling us to very specific things. He's made it very clear. Now, maybe not particularly, you know, as a person is discerning their life early on. But he, we certainly know what discipleship looks like, what following him looks like being a Christian, what that is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like my first point that I mentioned. We're supposed to be different than everyone else. We're supposed to be different. People are supposed to look at us and say, yeah, he doesn't get involved in that kind of stuff. Why not? Eh, he's one of those crazy Catholics. They, they actually love each other. <laughs> That's what they said about the early church. That's what they said about those early Catholics. Why do they act like that? Well, they love each other. What? They don't use each other? No. They don't see each other as mere utility? No. They actually love one another. And it was very notable in the early church. One of the things that I love about this parish is how welcoming this parish is. My sister came to, to the first uh, two masses 
as a spy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> first two masses I, I said, and, and um, so then I asked her, you know, well, what do you think? And besides saying my homily was too long, she, um, she later said, well, people really are welcoming. They're really kind. This means a lot to me. I want you to know that. I know it means a lot to you to be seen this way. It means a lot to me that people see you this way. And I'm very grateful for it. This is part of what it means to be a disciple, is that we're different. We're different. We set a standard that maybe other people don't see or just don't value, which is not to condemn them. It's to lead by example. And so with discipleship, the Lord calls us to a greater abandonment to him. How can I give my life more over to him? And I can't answer that question for every single one of you. Maybe he's calling you to more prayer and you know it, but you haven't done it. Maybe he's, he's calling you to sacrifice more for your wife and you know it, but you haven't done it, not yet. Maybe he's calling you to give your heart more over to him, to trust him more. Despite all of the the sufferings and difficulties you've been through in your life. Very serious sufferings. But he's calling you to trust him, to be intimate with him, so that you might perhaps know that there is one who will never fail you, who will never abandon you. See, God is calling us to give more of ourselves in some way. It's not just about doing. It's also about being. How can I give myself over? You know, men have a really difficult time with this because we're basically just, you know, as my philosophy teacher said, trousered apes. Um, I, I've learned early on you only criticize the men because they don't make cookies. <laughs> so, you know, men have, a, men have kind of a difficult time. It's common. With intimacy, it's common with intimacy that, you know, they might kind of trust their wife, but trusting God. You know, this is where in a lot of places, religion is just sort of relegated to what women do as opposed to what men do. Because they don't see it as something that emanates from strength. And yet God calls us nonetheless. Jesus himself, who remains forever, God and man calls us into this intimate relationship to give our hearts over to him, to allow him entry so that he might transform us. And so I just ask you today to reflect um, and maybe pray during this Mass, you know, that, that the Lord might show you how he's calling you to abandon yourself more fully to him. Lord, what are you asking of me? How are you trying to lead me? What gifts do you want to give me? And then, Lord, open my heart that I might give myself over to you in greater measure. Please stand.